Hi, I'm Ray Dubicki, and this is the Urbanist Podcast, where we discuss news, information, and ideas about improving cities and the quality of life therein. I'm Natalie Argarius, and in this week's episode, we're going to talk about new urban neighborhoods that are starting to form in and around Seattle. So stay tuned. So Natalie, this week I got to roam around the east side of the Ballard neighborhood and seek out new developments and new types of townhousing that they're putting up all around either side of um, Market Street. It's interesting to me that you referred to this area as East Ballard or the east side of Ballard because in the past it hasn't always been associated with the neighborhood of Ballard. A lot of that area feeds into West Woodland Elementary School. So a lot of folks just call it West Woodland. But once you move a little bit east of Ballard, people are also calling it Freelard because of how close it gets to Fremont. And, you know, we always want to associate with the center of the universe. I called it Freelard for quite a long time. And I used to head over there frequently because my dog's training and socialization uh, center was located there. It's called Ahimsa, which means peace. They're for peaceful dog training. And so I actually used to spend quite a lot of time in this area. It's a changing area, which uh, got to see a little bit because um, they are putting up not just uh, a bunch of townhouses right now, but also they're demolishing a number of houses right along Market Street in order to put up several fairly large apartment buildings. It's nice to see because the density is needed and the new apartments might actually put a dent in how much we're all paying in rent. How many new apartments are expected to be built? Um, It's almost 800 new apartments uh, across uh, eight buildings. Uh, There's a couple that are still in sketch phase, so that number is a little bit flexible. But the biggest ones are right along Market Street. There's an Aegis Senior Living community in the 900 block of uh, the street. And also on the 900 block of Market, uh, there are two facing apartment buildings planned that each have close to 200 units. I always associate this area as a place where residential, primarily single-family homes and townhouses meet light industrial uses. Do you think those industrial uses are going to be maintained as the area becomes more um, dense with residences? I think there's going to be a lot of the industrial maintained, but the industrial itself only comes up to within a block or so of Market Street. Really along Market Street are a line of car-centric uses. Uh, There's a KFC that's going to get knocked down for 30-some units. There's a Firestone which is going to get knocked down for 150-some units. In your article, you mentioned a park that's right in the center of this area. What is the name of that park again? The center of the area is really around Gilman Park. Um, Gilman Park is a couple of soccer fields. It's one big soccer field, but because it's Little League soccer, it usually gets broken up into like five different fields as they're playing. Um, There's also a baseball backstop and a playground a tennis court, and a splash park that I haven't actually seen operate. So it does sound like there are a number of amenities in the area for the more than 900 new people that are going to be moving in. What other amenities may be in the works or would you like to see? Well, I think having a new neighborhood form around Gilman Park would be really interesting because it would be one of the few kind of Central Park-ish facilities in 
of the city. Uh, Ballard has Ballard Commons, which has buildings around it, but that's always been a point of contention because there are so many resources for folks experiencing homelessness that people don't feel that they get to use it as a park. Um, I tend to disagree. I like using it as a park. The park, it's Gilman Park itself, I think is a great center. Um, what's they also have directly around that are some of these industrial uses and the city has its industrial rezone going on that will keep some of these uses and may expand them into something a little bit more innovative industrial things like keeping the breweries and putting in manufacturing that relies on 3d printing and really kind of cutting edge stuff that we don't expect smokestack uh, spewing industries to pop in. And I'm sure that many future residents in the area will not complain about being within a short walk of a brewery row. I have absolutely no problem with it myself. Uh, and I'm more than just a few blocks away. So when folks get apartments right next door, I think they'll have a very good time. To me, this seems like a second act for the neighborhood because the entry of the breweries changed a lot. There are food trucks, there's nightlife, there's a sense of energy in that area that wasn't there five to 10 years ago. And it will be really interesting to see um, how things further change as more people are living there. Now, you mentioned that there's going to be a, a coffee shop that will be directly on the park. Is that correct? There is. Right on the corner of Gilman Park uh, at the northwest corner, there's an apartment going up that is going to have a 600 square foot coffee shop, something fairly reasonable. And it's brilliant. It's one of the few parks in the city that gets a commercial use right next to it. I live next to a park that has a coffee shop on it. The coffee shop is very well used. And it's just a wonderful pairing to have those two amenities together. Thinking about the future of this neighborhood, are there any potential growing pains that you envision? The first growing pain is going on right now. Having 900 new units with 800 of them being apartments and the other 100 being townhomes seems catastrophic. Like you walk around the neighborhood, there are construction sites facing each other. Um, been in neighborhoods like that and you drive down the street and get a nail in your tire. It stinks and the noise continues from way in the morning till early in the evening and all of the parking is taken up by trade trucks. Um, that first wave of construction is going to pass within a year or two as all of these things form. The second wave is going to be pressure. It's going to be additional pressure because these buildings are taking up so much of the development that's allowed in this area. Uh, the city really focuses development on a very, very narrow strip of space along arterials and things. So when a new neighborhood starts to gel, it has to go through all of this city process in order to make the smallest expansion. And I think the third growing pain is really going to be contention because this is at the north end of the Ballard Inner Bay industrial area. That's why the breweries are there. It is the east side of Ballard's Market Street. So Ballard, whether it wants to expand, whether it feels like it's annexing into West Woodland, that's going to be a point of contention. 
and 15th and Market is going where the Safeway is will be the north end of the light rail as it's planned right now. So all of these pressures are going to mix into a weird cocktail of um, this being a completely different place. And folks will have a heartfelt and sincere concern that their neighborhood is changing. It seems inevitable to me that this neighborhood is going to change, but I think the question becomes, does it become its own complete neighborhood? Does it assume its own identity? Does it have its own services, like, for instance, a library branch or a grocery store? It already has an elementary school, but are there concerns about which middle or high school students would attend? Um, Will it become its own neighborhood or will it become an appendage to Ballard? I frankly hope it becomes its own neighborhood. Um, There's a couple of things that uh, suggest this isn't just going to be a hanger on to Ballard. Um, The the direction of the growth is different. There's a instead of just going along Market Street, there's a lot of expansion happening along 14th Avenue and 11th Avenue. Um, there is the additional transit that people will not have to go through Ballard to get into either the light rail eventually or to the D bus. They can come from the east side. So from a policy and a planning perspective, what are some of the things that the city could be doing to ensure that it becomes a neighborhood in its own right? I think when you start having a neighborhood develop the most important thing is to step back and take some of the constraints off because we don't know exactly what this neighborhood is going to look like. It doesn't need the same urban design constraints as Ballard has. It doesn't need the same um, strict zoning constraints as West Woodland has. It doesn't need the heavy, heavy traffic that that Leary Avenue has. So if we take a step back and actually let this gel for a little while and become a bit more of a neighborhood, then the neighborhood itself can really tell us what it needs in order to form its own personality. When I think about neighborhoods that have gone through this transition already in Seattle, one that comes... Um, comes to mind for me pretty quickly is Columbia City, which did exist as its own neighborhood and even as its own city in the past. But you see a remarkable change there in the last 10 years because of the increase in urban density. And it it appears to me that it already had a lot of amenities that people could lean into. What I worry about with a place like West Woodland is because it does not. If it becomes a place where there are simply apartments and townhomes, but not necessarily businesses that people can walk to, places that they can get out and enjoy just being in the neighborhood, it it might become in its own right a kind of sprawl. It's funny to think of a new urban node as potentially sprawl. Um, And there is a big possibility of that. Uh, And we see that even though they are building 800 new apartments, the townhouses that are going up around it 
are taking up more space than the apartments are going to. Um, and there's only a hundred townhomes. Um, those townhouses each have their own piece of land underneath them. And with a brand new house on top of them, they're going to lock in the shape of that land for as long as that house lasts. It's not going to make any sense to bulldoze them for apartments for 30 years. And it'll be totally environmentally inefficient to do so. So, yes, because of the popularity and because this neighborhood has been locked in to a certain level of zoning for a while, the sprawl potential is there. Before we move on to talk about other emerging neighborhoods, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on in regards to this one? I think it's pretty cool to have a neighborhood forming around this Gilman Park as kind of a central park. Um, I think that is novel. And the fact that um, the brewery district is there, there are industrial employers um, right along there, is really going to make a fascinating case for um, this being a new type of place, not just an appendage of things that are around it, but a central core of its own. There are not industrial spaces, but commercial spaces that are being quickly changed over to new apartment stuff. Um, Natalie, you covered the development up at the Linwood City Center. I did. The Linwood City Center project is fascinating because it's an attempt to build a city center where there currently is not one. There are about 500 apartments that have been built um, already. 1,400 more are planned. And They'll be accompanied by about 500,000 square feet of office space and 200 square feet of retail space. All of this development is private, and there, there, are some, there are some concerns related to that. But if you go there now, and I went out there when I reported on the article, you see surface parking, you see empty big box stores, the area is almost desolate. It will be absolutely fascinating to watch this become an urban neighborhood. There's a very particular thing that's bringing about this change. Oh, I forgot to mention Link Light Rail <laughs> coming in 2024, only two years. That's one of the big stations. I mean, we open up the east side with Link and we open up the north part with up to, up to Linwood. So. And it's true that throughout our region, we do see new neighborhoods forming around these light rail stations. Northgate uh, is another example of this. With three sheets of ice specifically set for the Seattle Kraken. Hopefully they'll get to practice on a little more next year and we will, uh, you know, have a better team. There, it's the first year. We have to be a bit generous with them, I think. Oh, I'm totally generous. I'm so happy they're here. And I completely give them allowance that they didn't get to practice before. <sighs> COVID. Anyway. You mentioned the Kraken. And another area that we've observed pretty big changes in is Lower Queen Anne near the arena. That area has been trying to rebrand itself as Uptown for a while. And I'm starting to wonder if having a weeknight evening sporting event facility 
right next to it is going to bring about some very substantial changes to the area. I've been down there um, looking around for a place to eat. They're all packed. Even on nights that aren't having a cracking game, um, there might be another show or something like that, and it is hopping. Lower Queen Anne is one of the densest and one of the most um, diverse in terms of its uses, neighborhoods in the city. So it's fascinating to see that it's still changing. Well, we maybe it's not even right to call it a new neighborhood. Like in talking, we've thought about what makes a new neighborhood um, and things like transportation or a gap between existing places. Do you think there's enough to consider Lower Queen Anne a new neighborhood, or is it a new flavor of an existing neighborhood? I think I would consider it to be a new flavor of an existing neighborhood because Seattle Center, the Gates Foundation campus, they were already there and they already, I mean, over a long period of time brought changes to that area. But I think that you're right that with the arrival of Climate Pledge Arena and a new sports team, the nightlife there is going to change. Previously, I thought about it as a place to go to the Uptown Theater or to a restaurant, but not necessarily to go to a bar. And bars tend to follow stadiums and arenas. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that there. When we think about existing neighborhoods in Seattle, many of them are developed as urban villages these days. Now, I tend to have a particular opinion on urban villages, and with the expansion of development into the east side of 15th Avenue and Ballard, it does look like an expansion of urban villages. Should we be expanding urban villages? So my thought is that we should be making a conscious effort to cultivate new urban villages. The Seattle Planning Commission has written extensively about this, and they have proposed the idea of not only creating more new urban villages, but also urban hamlets, which would be a smaller scaled urban village throughout the city. The idea with that is that these types of neighborhoods promote walkability because they center around existing investments like schools, transit, transit, commercial areas. However, there are some people who think that we should just scrap the whole urban village uh, policy for growth entirely. Oh, that would be me. I have my hand up. Uh, I think urban villages are trash. I really do. I think they are one extra boundary that is drawn around something in the city, and they just... They, they pile too much emphasis into one area and keep out stuff from across the uh, from the other side of the boundary. See, I'm going to have to beg to differ here because during all the years that I've lived in Seattle, one of the things that I've appreciated the most about this city is that we have distinctive neighborhoods. And you absolutely do not find that in a lot of American cities, even cities that are bigger and denser than ours. And so I like the fact that Wallingford is Wallingford. It has its own flavor of what it means to be a neighborhood. I see Ray is laughing as I say that because there's so many opinions about Wallingford. But I I wouldn't want all of our neighborhoods to be the same. And I like the fact that by living near an urban village, I know that I can meet the vari- most of my daily needs within a short walk of my home. And to me, that's really important. 
I deeply appreciate that because the one of the reasons I love Ballard is because I get to walk to two grocery stores and a movie theater. I mean, that is literally the top of my list of stuff. It's not that I go to both grocery stores in a day. Sometimes I do. I Yes, I sometimes do. And I'll admit that the fact the fact that we have about 70% of our residential land devoted to single-family housing is a result of the urban village policy. I'm not going to deny that. And I think that that's something that absolutely needs to change if we're going to keep up with growth, if we're going to become a more sustainable city, and also if we're going to become just a, a more enjoyable city to live in. We have entire swaths of the city that do not have urban villages in them, where people have really no choice but to either drive or take transit or walk a long distance to meet their basic needs. And that's not what I want. But at the same time, I feel that if we were to scrap the policy entirely, we might really lose part of what makes Seattle, Seattle. A benefit of urban villages is they mix residential and commercial. Do you see a node forming that should be identified better? Like, is there a, is there a new place that we should be looking at? A place that I would like to see one forming is the area around Yesler Terrace. I believe it's happening because there is so much residential construction that's occurring at the site of Yesler Terrace in the nearby streets. Also on the other side of 12th Avenue, there are several very large developments going up there. Most of them are private. However, one of them will be social housing owned by Lehigh, the Low Income Housing Institute. I have to think that right now, there, there's not really a grocery store that's, a very, that's very close. So within Little Saigon, which is just down the hill, there are grocery stores. That's absolutely true. But that hill is steep. <laughs> and the... Um, the, the park that they've created as a walkway between Yesler Terrace and Little Saigon has uh, some ADA accessibility when you're in the park, but when you actually get to the street below it at that angle, I, I would be terrified to be in a wheelchair. What I would like to see is more businesses moving into that area so that people can get their groceries, go to the pharmacy, drop their children off for daycare, take care of those basic daily needs that we want to be able to within proximity to where we live. And I'm very hopeful that that's going to happen. But at this point, there are not a lot of new businesses that are popping up. So, uh, Natalie, what makes you think about that area as a urban village and not an appendage onto downtown? Because it's so separate from downtown. Yesler is very steep. It's not easy to bike on at all. It is walkable to a degree, but there is a distance that you have to travel and there is the separation that's caused by the freeway. First Hill has a lot of businesses and uses, but the medical campus separate this area from the rest of that neighborhood. And to me, it makes it feel a bit cut off and separate. And so I think it would deserve its own identity and its own amenities. We do clump so many of those downtown neighborhoods together and we forget that these institutions are um, barriers in and of themselves. It's interesting for me that you thought of it as downtown because 
living near that area, to me, they're very distinct. But I could see how if you're not going through it on a regular basis, the assumption would be that it's close to downtown and that people could just meet their needs by traveling there. Living in a city that is experiencing so much growth and such housing scarcity, there are many places in which we're seeing new neighborhoods forming and also where we really need to be forming new neighborhoods. I have a list of places that I'd like to say. Most of them will get me in trouble with somebody. So what I'm going to say is, if you have an idea of where a new neighborhood is forming, let us know. We'd love to talk about it. Our email address is podcast at theurbanist.org. And we'd love to hear from you on this or any other topic that you look forward to chatting with us about. Absolutely. This is a new podcast, and we value your feedback, your insights, your encouragement, your critiques. We're going to need a mailbag theme. Yes, 100%. We're going to need a theme in general. Well, thank you, Natalie. Greatly appreciate your time today. Thanks, Ray. I'm Ray Dubicki. This has been the Urbanist Podcast. I'm Natalie Argarius, and thank you for listening. 